You working? Good. Everybody hear me? Froze, of course. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another show with Brandon Forever Faithful Podcast. Uh, Brandon's hiding out, so I'll take over, I guess. Um, we have a special guest today, uh, Larry. Larry, how are you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Lefty right. just came in. What's up, Christian? What's up, dude? What's up, Christian? Can you guys hear me? We got you loud and clear. All right, good. It, it lagged on my end. <laughs> Where's your camera? Um, it's hella laggy, it's so I'm just gonna have it off. Okay. Yeah, I'm on a different computer right now. That's why I'm on a Chromecast, so it's really, really bad. Or not a Chromecast. Oh, Chromecast. Out of the Dollar Tree. Where are you at? Um, I'm at my friend's house. So, um, anyways, let's get started, man. Let's do it. All right. So. Larry, thank you for uh, joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Um, my first question for you, Larry, is um, how do you think this offseason is going so far with mini camp and seeing the quarterback situation going on? What's your take on it so far? You know, I think it's going really well. I mean, right, you know, the, the biggest nightmare is that somebody would go down with an, you know, an injury, knock on wood, that hasn't happened. They've been really healthy. Um, and you know, they got in the work, they installed their offense, they installed their defense, they're primed and ready for training camp. And, um, it sounds like now I haven't seen Brock Purdy throw, but it sounds like he's making a successful return, uh, from the off season elbow surgery. I guess we won't find out for sure until this summer, but things sound like they're going well. And, uh, overall without the injuries, um, I thought the team looked pretty sharp actually, in the uh, in the OTAs in the mini camp, good energy, uh, good good uh, vibe on the field. Christian McCaffrey looked incredible in the in the mini camp, um, and there's a lot of good young players who are starting to kind of show their talent. Um, and as far as the quarterback thing, I mean, we haven't seen Brock in the field yet, but um, Trey's been out there. I think he's looked the best that I've ever seen him look. And Darnold's out there, and Darnold's making some nice throws. Brandon Allen's had a couple of really nice days. So overall, you know, I think uh, I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you got to feel good about where you're sitting here in late June. Yeah, I completely agree, uh, Larry. Um, things are starting to look up, especially this year, with all the way the the way the roster is and is uh, the way Kyle Shanahan and uh, John Lynch is building it up. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, this whole. Uh, fighting on Twitter, bro, among Niner fans. I've never seen any as many Niner fans fight each other from other fan bases. It's like they're not even fighting Dallas, the, the team that I hate the most growing up in the 80s and 90s. You know, can't stand the Dallas. But now it's like this whole, who's your quarterback, Brock Purdy or Trey Lance? And damn if you like uh, Brock because then you hate on Trey and so forth. Um, I know you've been beating up on a horse with this on your shows and uh, every other show, but what's your take? Because I think this kid, uh, Brock Purdy, uh, he really impressed me when he came in. The things that he was able to do uh, coming off the bench as a rookie, uh, a seventh-round rookie at that, and the poise 
the way he commanded commanded the huddle, the way he was able to execute was just like a pro. So I want to get your thoughts personally on Brock. Can this guy be, I know it's still early and he still has to come back from this injury, but can he be a franchise quarterback if he continues to grow? Just no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he can. Um, as far as, you know, why people are at each other's throats over it, it's a great question, too. It's like, I just think that, you know, what happened here is that, you know, they drafted Trey and they told us, hey, this is the guy. This is the future. And we believe them. And so we just are all in the mindset of we just want to, we, uh, we just want to, um, you know, see that, see what, you know, we've been told this guy's the future. So we just want to see that through to completion before we, you know, move it, move off of it. And I think that's totally normal. Like, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in that group. I mean, I want to see is Trey Lance good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Is he good enough to be a star? Is he good enough to be, you know, a, a great player? And, we just haven't seen it, right? But if you know, I did a I did a um, a deep dive on all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks because I just wanted to kind of see, have a little better perspective. You know, it's the off season, right? We got plenty of time to kind of take a look at this thing, and I just wanted to see like the greatest quarterbacks this league has ever seen. All so I went through the Hall of Fame list. You know, I think there's roughly twenty three or twenty five quarterbacks. That made the hall that have made the Hall of Fame, and I just wanted to see what those guys did at the beginning of their career. And what I found, guys, was that almost without exception, they struggled. You know, they struggled. I mean, um, Steve Young struggled. Joe Montana was two and six. Uh, Roger Staubach had a naval commitment and was still was late to the NFL, but he struggled. Warren Moon played in Canada for a bunch of years. And yet his first three years in the NFL, he struggled. You name a quarterback. Peyton Manning threw 28 picks as a rookie. Um, almost all of them struggle. And Kenny Stabler struggled. I mean, you Terry Bradshaw struggled. Um, most quarterbacks struggle as a rookie. And I'm looking at at um, what Trey's done. Trey's 2-2, two and two, I think with five touchdowns and three picks, something like that. Uh, Sam Darnold is has played a lot, but he's only 25. And um, and then you look at Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy's done really well off the start. Now, there are a couple of quarterbacks who started relatively fast and then kind of petered out. But generally, the quarterbacks that have started fast, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, um, those guys have gone on to gr some great things, right? I mean, I just named guys that you know are really good. So... I don't think, you know, yeah, we got to kind of um, wait and see on all of them. But this idea that some people have that, like, Trey Lance stinks and 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 he's always going to stink. It's like, let's pump the brakes. Let's give it a little time. Let's let it breathe. Sam Darnold's awful, and he'll always be awful. Really? Kurt Warner wasn't even an NFL player until he was 28. He's in the Hall of Fame. Sonny Jurgensen didn't become the starter until he was like 27. He's in the Hall of Fame. Len Dawson, the Chiefs' great quarterback of yesteryear, I don't think was a starting quarterback in the, in the NFL too. He was like 26 or 27, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So it's it it takes a while, but we're in kind of a instant gratification world, 
And we just really badly want to see these guys have this ascension. And then also we're comparing everything to Mahomes. Let's just acknowledge that Mahomes is the exception. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay, but Mahomes, Mahomes is pretty good, but he also like benefited like no more than any quarterback at his level could have benefited with Andy Reid. Like Andy Reid does not get the credit. And Alex Smith. Yeah, like Alex Smith being there for a year with him. And then and then having Andy Reid, like that's not even talked about enough. Like I'm not taking away from Mahomes or anything, but like Andy Reid is had a lot to do with it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a, usually it takes a little time. So, I would say overall, um, I don't know how you guys felt, but to me, the last 49er game that I watched was the most for, frustrating 49er game of my lifetime. Oh, yeah. Why? Sure. Because because the, the, the amount of time that went from when you felt like they had no chance to the game being over was set, felt like an eternity, yeah. right? And we all sat there and watched at like, oh, my God gosh mm-hmm. and it was just so hard to watch and i vowed at the end of that and i tweeted about it talked about it on everywhere i could i'm like this can't happen again this cannot happen again they cannot get to a playoff game and just run out of quarterbacks mm-hmm. so what did that mean that means go in the off season and build up your depth at quarterback and have yeah. your backups all be able to win games yeah. uh, potentially in the nfl and that's exactly what Lynch and Shanahan have done. They got Brandon Allen out of Cincinnati. He was number two to Joe Burrow. He's here now. They got Sam Darnold, who started at the end of the year with Carolina. He's here now. They got Trey Lance, who they think potentially can be a starter. And they got Brock Purdy. So you got four quarterbacks that essentially are better than the guy you finished with at the end of the year. And I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I really am. I realize there's I realize there's some um, you know, some undecided things and we don't know how any of these guys are going to fare, but um, based on what they had at the end of last year, based on the way last year ended, I like the way they've gone about this offseason with the quarterbacks, and I'm thrilled uh, that they have this kind of depth, and now let's roll the balls out there and find out who can do it, right? I mean, I think it's going to be good. Exactly. It's going to be a fun watch this summer. I, so What's up, going, to your, going to your thing with like Lance, I, I think a lot of people don't, seem to realize too is that they're so hard on him and say he can't do it i don't think it, it the offense has even been fair to him yet because in my opinion he's not a running quarterback he's he's a quarterback who can extend the play with his legs but he shouldn't be running the ball as much as he has been so far when he's been in the in our offense so i don't think we've even got to see him as like play his best style of football because like I've said on this show before, my comparison to him is Ben Roethlisberger. Like his, if you, when you talk about Lance's ceiling, to me his ceiling is Ben Roethlisberger. It's big and strong and powerful, can extend the play with a strong arm, looks to extend the play as he's running around, but can extend, but it can extend plays with his legs and get first downs. Not run the ball like Cam Newton. Like we're treating him like he's Cam Newton and he's not. Like that's why he broke his ankle because we, we think he's Cam Newton. And he broke his ankle in game two of last of the pat last season. So I don't think until like we see the Niners actually play to his strengths and what he should be as a quarterback. Like if they go out and, and have him be try to be Cam Newton again, then he, it's gonna falter and everybody's gonna think he's a bust. It's exactly what's gonna happen. And I think if I, I kinda I kinda think the uh that's a good comparison. I, I like I like uh, you guys saw the Niner Falcon game last year mm-hmm. with Mariota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there he could run the offense the way 
Yeah, I agree. He's not a runner, but he could run like the way Mariota ran. So you want to go read option on third and one, and you know sometimes sometimes the quarterback keeps it, and sometimes he hands it off on the dive, and you want to kind of make the defense a whole, you know, freeze at the mesh point mm-hmm. and and kind of freeze them a little bit. I I, I love that idea. I think I, I he could be a Mariota. I think. Well, I think Be- uh, Beto had another comparison of. Um, what was Steve McNair, which does make sense too, in the in the sense where, you know, because Trey's more athletic than than Big Ben, that McNair could make sense too, because McNair was a big, strong runner, but with a strong arm too. So, that's a good one. I, I like the Roethlisberger though, because Roethlisberger at Miami of Ohio did throw well on the run, mm-hmm. and early in his career with the Steelers, I thought he threw exceptionally well on the run. You know, he doesn't you don't you look at him, you don't say runner, but but um really a young Roethlisberger threw very well in the run. Yeah. You have any I questions agree. there, Brendan? Um I, anything to it? Um I have another question. It's still about um quarterback situation. Uh Larry, like in your opinion, do you feel like the Niners shouldn't rush back? Brock Purdy, even if he is ready, because um, we don't know how he if he's going to be the same as he was last year after that injury, and um, if he gets hurt again, possibly. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, don't rush him back for sure. I mean, if you know it's a long year. I mean, obviously you want to win all the games, but um, you know this you got to do right by your players. You know, this guy's a young guy with a career ahead of him. Do not rush him back. If he's not ready to roll, then 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 start somebody else. I'm not, you know, I'm not of the, in the mindset that he's got to be out there in preseason or he's got to be out there in camp. Um, and I and and they're not. They're not going to rush him. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. they have a game plan for how they're going to monitor every rep, every throw. Um, you know, he's he's really grounded in his approach. He wants to get back, but he's he's also very realistic. So. I think there's zero chance they rush him back. Now he's gonna might he may try to rush himself back, mm-hmm. but um, you know I, I there's no need to. There's absolutely no need to, and especially if there's any chance of any kind of recurrence or you know hurting that thing further. Yeah. Um, and this is why you have quarterback depth, so you don't have to rush him back. And they they got a good running so, game. They got a good defense. So just going with quarterbacks, where's this? What's you know. Bash? Uh, St- Sam Darnold's beating out Lance stuff coming from like, I I I can see it happening maybe more than other people might just because I don't have the camera. On where I think where where Sam Darnold is in his career, um, I think he actually fits into this offense well because Kyle can tell pretty much tell Sam what to do and Sam will just can just listen. I think that's what Kyle prefers. I think that's why he's a big Kurt Cousins fan because Kurt would do the same thing. But I think because of Sam Darnold's ability to extend plays too and his exceptional arm talent, he could fit right into this offense. Like if we had an injury and came in, he could probably work this offense pretty well with all those weapons. So where is this stuff coming from really that's saying that Sam Darnold could beat out Lance? Because I know a lot of people are freaking out about it, and I don't know if it's true, but I could also see where it could happen. As far as where is it coming from, I just think some of the national people, you know, with the combination of the incentives that he signed 
and when they signed him, they're just looking at that and going, well, you know, obviously they like him. It's almost like a job where like the guy who got hired the most recent is got the best job security. It's like, well, why does he have better job security than Bob over there? Well, cause they just hired Phil, you know, mm-hmm. they just hired Phil on Friday. So that's really, I think the only thing as far as what they've looked like in mini camp, now it's mini camp and it's, you know, OTAs yeah. and it's not, it's not, there's no, there's no pads and there's no pass rush. So, but I would say they, they look, you know, the same. I'm, um, you know, I would say Darnold has taken more shots down the field and his overall accuracy, maybe a little bit better. Trey seems like, um, you know, he's, he's, he knows the offense a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sam looks better in some of the early, you know, early part of practice and the drills, uh, Trey maybe looks a little bit better in the in the seven on seven because maybe he's got a, a little bit more of a rapport, a little bit better understanding mm-hmm. of the receivers since he's got more reps with these receivers. But to me, it's they look very similar. Um, they, they I don't see one. I'll say this: there has not been one. You know, Sam has not looked like worlds better mm-hmm. than Trey at practice. I'm there for every practice. To, to be fair, coming out of college, the two of them are very actually quite similar sam darnold was just as raw coming out of college as um as lance played one year at you like one full year at usc came out where he probably should have stayed another year or two maybe um but he just had such natural arm talent he decided to come out and got drafted high but he was just as raw and then he obviously went to a terrible situation and our quarterback that raw going to a terrible situation ends up exactly how you would expect the way it's gone with Sam Darnold. So, but I, I, they're very similar in the sense where they're equally just as raw coming out of college. Hey, um, Larry, I want to ask you, get your opinion on this. I know that a lot of people want to see Trey get his opportunity, right? They're afraid that if he doesn't get his shot and he goes somewhere else, he can become something great. Um, but do we have the luxury if Brock is healthy and he's ready to go, let's say he's ready to go two weeks before start of uh, the season and he's able to practice, starting that we started uh, slow the last two years, um, if we start fast, can be the difference of playing at home vice playing in Philadelphia for the championship game. Do we have the luxury of starting Trey and taking a chance on him, or should the Nano just run with Brock Purdy if he's healthy? I mean, I, I, I've never heard of an NFL team that didn't start their best. You start your best quarterback. So whoever the, whoever Shanahan thinks is his best quarterback, he probably should start that guy and will start that guy. I really believe that. Um, and I've heard, you know, um, the, the notion that, you know, they – I mean, this is kind of the – this is this is the, the quandary that they're in, that they drafted a player – and they want to find out what he is, but um, they're also got a team that's ready to win. And as you referenced, if you there's only one team that has a buy, and a buy in football is huge. And there's only one team that can host the NFC Championship game at home. And if you have that game at home, your odds of winning it are, are go up dramatically. So I, I I don't you know as much as I want to see Trey. Um, fulfill his potential. I want to find out about him too. But um, if Shanahan thinks that Purdy's their number one guy 
and Purdy's healthy in week one, damn right, Purdy's going to start at Heinz Field. And that's the way it should be. That's the way all Niner fans would want it. Um, but I think, you know, the, they are value. You got to remember this. The coaches are evaluating everything. They're evaluating the meetings. They're evaluating the practices. They're going to evaluate the seven-on-seven in practice, the team drills. Then they're going to evaluate those preseason drills. The Niners also train with the Raiders. They're going to, you know, that's almost kind of like game conditions. Um, so, yeah, they're going to evaluate every everything along the way. Um, and, and yet I get the sense, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, that there's almost nothing that can be done by Darnold or Allen or Lance this summer to take that starting job away from Purdy because Purdy did it in the season and Purdy did it in the playoffs. And and there's a big difference between doing it in organized practices or preseason compared to the playoffs. But, um, you know, the, you know, the way football is guys, it's guys get hurt all the time. So, you know, if, if whoever steps in and plays well at that point, you know, it's your job. They're, nobody's going to take a quarterback out of the lineup. That's playing well. Um, so advantage Brock Purdy in the present, but if Trey Lance came off the bench because Brock got hurt and he started playing incredibly well, guess what? They're not pulling him out either. Um, so it's, yes. it's, it's a so, unique position. I mean, the biggest thing too, I think is, you know, people are frustrated that Lance isn't getting a chance because we did, you know, give up so much for him, but there's a silver lining in that. If Purdy's the guy, we got Purdy cheap right now being a seventh round pick. If he can be the starter, and yeah, it looks bad because we gave up so many picks. But all those, all these these picks we didn't make that we don't have to pay guys, we can pay the guys that we already have on this team. So it really opens. I think it could be a blessing if Purdy turns out to be the the guy, and we don't really get to see Lance. Because yeah, it sucks, but at the same time, we can pay our guys that we already have on this team that we know need to be paid because you're not worried about two first round picks that you made the two previous years and all that. And I I think it frees up cap space. I think it makes it easier because we have so many talented guys already on this team that it yeah. it hurts, but it's not as bad as people think it is because there's some silver linings to the fact that we gave up two years of a first round pick. I agree. I, I also say this. I mean, um, I think in an ideal world, all your quarterbacks play really well. You don't want to cut any of them and somebody around the league loses a, loses a quarterback or needs a quarterback and says, hey, uh, we'll give you a third-round pick for Sam Darnold, or, hey, we'll give you Montez Sweat for uh, Trey Lance, or, hey, we'll take Brandon Allen off your hands. He completed 72% of his passes with six touchdowns and no picks in the preseason. You know, you know they got four quarterbacks there, and I think the, the one thing with Trey, uh, they invested a lot in to acquire him, and I guess in an ideal world, um, he would play really well in the preseason, rebuild his his uh, his value, and either be there for the 49ers if Purdy goes down, or uh, give them a, a, a least a you know excite the other teams around the NFL for them to like maybe offer a number one pick. I mean, you you guys saw a few years back when the Raiders lost their starting quarterback and they traded a future number one for Carson Palmer. You know, you never know. Maybe a certain team, if the right team loses. I mean, if Minnesota lost Kirk Cousins in the preseason, they might come knocking, saying, hey, we want Trey Lance, and here's our first-round pick next year. So, I mean, and but first, Trey's going to have to show some things in preseason, and an opening's going to have to happen. I did find it really mm-hmm. odd that, you know, 
there was a report this week by Schefter that there's no trade market for Trey and that really there's no team out there that wants to trade for him. I, I find that surprising, but, you know, then I've also talked to personnel people that feel like Trey had a very unique situation at North Dakota State, and some personnel evaluators feel like they really didn't have a good handle on, you know, what he was as a prospect coming out of college. So I don't know what the appetite is for, you know, or how people around the league feel about Lance. I I feel like I don't feel like the Niners would trade him this season, at least. If that makes sense. If the right if, if the right offer comes, they're trading him. It's just I don't think he has trade off. value right now, but I think like Larry said during the season, or uh, if, yeah. if he does really good in uh, in training camp, but, you know, or preseason, and or he yeah. plays a couple of games and he has he gains value. And teams get desperate. You lose your quarterback. Yeah, they do. And you're and you're winning uh-huh. games. You get desperate. You normally don't pay much for a quarterback, but. Um, if you lose your quarterback and you're in contention, you're you're going to give up extra money for a quarterback like Trey or Sam Donald. So uh, the fact that p- people want to let go of these quarterbacks now is ridiculous. You got to hold on to them, especially what we saw last year, right? I mean, we went all the way to down to uh, McCaffrey throwing the ball because we went through our quarterbacks. So we need as many quarterbacks on our roster mm-hmm. as we can. Larry, what do yes, you think about this idea that now they can hold an extra quarterback and not being on the roster what they just approved this year uh, to benefit the Niners and any other team. I mean, I love it. First of all, it benefits the NFL because when the court, you know, when the Niners lost Purdy in that game, I too, I stayed watching it. We, you guys all stayed watching it, but people in Chattanooga, Tennessee probably turned it off. And that right? hurts. Yeah, yeah. That was a competition. And that hurts the NFL. That was a competition. They don't want freaking rule. <laughs> yeah. They don't want that. They, they, it's a, that was they a, that money. was a, let's, yeah. Let's protect our revenue rule, you know. Exactly. Um, and so, that's what that that's what that's about. Um, I like it. I like it. I'll, I'll tell you what would Trey would benefit from is if if uh, the NFL had a true minor league system, you know, if the NFL. Oh yeah, like baseball. A, yeah. Well, know, it's like the, if you had a if you had a place where let's say you wanted to go with Brock Purdy, right? You know, and John Lynch said it at the combine. He's like Trey Lance needs to play, and that's the challenge because we got a team that's ready to go. So what's kind of unspoken there is that Trey, in his mind, is maybe not ready to play and lead the team to victories. But, man, if you had a triple-A, you know, if you had a minor league team and you could say instead of just sitting Trey down and be like, yeah, you know, because in most teams in the NFL, you don't play their your backup. So, you know, mm-hmm. Brock's – okay, Brock's going to be our starter. and We got Sam Darnold to back up. But, Trey, you go to triple-A and you get all the reps – and you develop, and that's what ultimately he really needs. But the NFL doesn't have that mechanism in place, think, and it's unfortunate. I think it's coming because I do think the that the Rock in the XFL. I think that's what he's. I think that's the long term goal for the XFL personally. And I think. Oh yeah, I think that I, makes sense. There's so much money in it. Eventually, the NFL is going to catch on when they see when they really see the money in it. And as soon as the money hit, like. You know, when they start realizing, oh, there's money in this, I think it's coming. I think it's slowly developing, and it's years away, but I think it's coming. I think The Rock's whole plan was to do that with the XFL. You Look how many guys are getting NFL opportunities from the XFL. We have a guy mm-hmm. in the XFL right now with the Niners, right, the receiver. So I think, I think it's coming. 
I think it's years away, but I do think it'll. I do think it'll. It'll happen. The key. Yeah. The key with that is, um, people love the NFL so much, but secondary football with all these second these garbage rules and let's mic everybody up and call them weird names. That's never going to fly. It's never really going to fly. It's never really going to take hold. But if you said this team is the 49ers AAA team and they were playing the Seahawks AAA team and all the guys on the team were guys that the Niners controlled the rights to and guys that the Seahawks controlled the rights to, or at least let's say 30 of the guys were Niner rights. Maybe they were, maybe you filled in the rest with other, just randoms. I'd watch, you'd watch, we'd all watch because it's the, you know, that's how much passion there is for NFL football, especially in the spring. I know people that they're football fans, but they're not baseball fans and they're not basketball fans and they're not hockey fans. And I say, well, what do you do in the off season? Well, I just kind of follow football from, you know, I follow the draft and I'm, you know, into the football, but I'm not into the, I'm not into these other sports and the NFL should pounce on that and say, you know what? If we just had a, a correctly branded minor league system, our minor league games might outdraw MLB. Our minor league games might outdraw the other sports. That's how popular the NFL product is right now. But you got to have the same uniforms, the same helmets. You got to have players who are, you know, on that team that, you know, all your practice squad guys have got to do it. I, I think that. You know, secondary uh, football, I worked in the Canadian League. We all saw the American expansion of the CFL, the NFL Europe, USFL, different, you know, Arena League. They're all secondary leagues. Nobody's buying in, really. But if you had a minor league deal that was affiliated directly and those were actually your players on your practice squad, people would watch. I'm telling you it's going to happen because – the NFL is all about money, and everything they're doing is all about money. That's now they're doing the streaming thing, they, the freaking you know the thing with YouTube. I'm there. It's going to happen. It's just years away, but eventually it's going to come. There's too much money on the table to just not ha- let for it not to ever happen. And there's too many people that are only football fans. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Someone like Robert right. Real that got drafted. Uh, he's not. He's probably not going to play a lot this year in this defensive line. But if you have that league, like you said, Larry, you people, fan, Niner fans, or any fan of any uh, fan base will be looking forward to seeing that games because you could see these players that are get that are developmental and seeing them what they can do. Because let's be honest, uh, how much is Robert Bill going to play this year? Uh, unless somebody gets it's a great hurt. proving ground for coaches, young players, new rules changes, mm-hmm. young announcers. I mean, a minor league could be a very, very good thing for the NFL on many fronts. Exactly. All right, so I'll move on to this next uh, segment I got. Uh, who is the player that you are looking forward to this season? Um, Larry. Um, I mean, several, but um, I'll give you a couple. One on on offense, uh, Jordan Mason. You know, I, he looked really good at last year in camp, uh, and then he looked really good at the end of the year, had that long run. Um, and then this year he's down from 240. He looks like about 225, and he looks fast. And to me, he looks like he could be not a good player but a great player. 
and um, I, he might not. He he would be the kind of guy that I think could emerge as one of their better weapons, and nobody's really talking about him because he was an undrafted guy. But um, yeah, on offense, definitely Jordan, and then on defense, uh, there's a couple guys. But uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball, you know, last year. Um, came here as a linebacker, and he knew the Niners were stacked at linebacker. And I asked him about it. I said, why'd you even come here? I mean, it's like, I'm glad you're here because I think you're a player, but you're not going to play this year. And he's like, yeah, you know, but these guys are dogs, and I want to be, be a dog too, and I know I am. I fit in here. My, You know, I, I, I want to be just like Dre and just like Fred and just like Aziz. And here we are a year later. He's put on about 10 pounds of muscle. He's flying around. Uh, he's got great instincts. I mean, he is... I think Marcelino has potential guys to be a Pro Bowl linebacker, and he's yet to play a down. Um, so, to me, those two guys really are exciting. I'm mostly excited for. Uh, um, I want to see Drake Jackson. Like, I being you know because I'm like really into the Pac-12 for college football, so. I'm excited just because knowing that Drake Jackson has so much talent and being so underdeveloped at USC, I'm so excited to see like the full year with him being with the Niners, what we're going to, what we might actually get. Yeah. He looks great by the way, in the mini camp. I mean, he's put on muscle in the upper body. Um, Sometimes when guys put on weight in the off season, they look, um, they look slower. But then we asked him at the, at the presser, I'm like, Drake, where where are you at weight-wise? And he's like 260, 262. He's right at where he wants to be. So he's kind of repositioned his body. And um, he's got great flexibility, great close to the quarterback, great ability to flatten down the line of scrimmage. His speed is Um, is insane. The speed, the – I mean, he's just – he's taking it to a different level this year. And – uh, he looks. He looks like he could. I think there's a very good chance he could wind up with double digit sacks. Yeah, he he was one of the top prospects in the like just in the nation coming out of high school, like top five, top ten best players in the nation of any position when he was coming out of high school, and he didn't live up to that at USC. But UFC's had you know developmental issues for quite some time now, um, so he, that that he could have easily been a top ten pick in in the draft had he been developed correctly. So I mean, he's an absolute steal. So I, re- he is, he is, you know, somebody say he does backflips. I'll say this too. He, you're not going to meet a better guy. He's awesome. The guys, the guy's super solid as a person. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm older than you guys. Um, and I got, I got a 22 year old son, you know, and, it's like when I'm talking to Drake, I almost feel like I'm talking to my kid. You know, it's like he's I, and I realize it's like they're basically the same age, <laughs> you know, um, and he's just but he's just a great he's just a great kid. Uh, raised right, um, you know, really loves loves to play. Very respectful. Um, you know, he should have been a first round pick. And for whatever reason, he fell to the second round. And and, you know, he, I know he was inactive a couple times at the end of the year. That to me is the biggest overplayed story is is the disappointment that you know that he was inactive at the end of the year. Oh, how disappointing! I I looked at that more as they you know a couple people whispered to me 
that the Niners, you know, had to either go an extra D end or an extra D tackle. And because they weren't sure what they were getting out of Javon Kinlaw as the season progressed, they kept going with that extra tackle and, and promoting T.Y. Hilton or T.Y. Uh, McGill to the, uh, to the active roster. But Drake easily could have been active in a number of those games down the stretch. Hey, Larry, you said uh, you might be older than all of us. I'm just curious. I'm 53. How far am I from you? We're we're class eighty eight, baby. Yep, eighty eight. Exactly. There you go. We're the same year. Okay, seventy. Seventy. Yep. Yep. Nineteen. Great year, by the way. It was a great year. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm. I, you know, some some you, me and you are are same age. But yeah, I mean, I, it's. Um, I, I definitely think that Drake is the is is one of the guys this year that's going to be. You know, the the thing, the number one reason I'm super excited about the Niners this year, guys, is that how many rookies they had last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. People don't realize they had yeah, a lot of rookies did. on the practice squad and they introduced like 14 or 15 rookies. And so, like, when I was with the Arizona Cardinals, we used to do this drill in the springtime where we would take our roster and we would have we'd go sit around with the personnel and just be like, all right, guys, let's put the arrow up if they're getting better down on the player if they're getting worse, even if you don't think they're getting better or worse, or like slightly up or slightly down. The 49ers, and and almost all young players, anybody going from year one to year two, the arrow almost always is pointing straight up because that's how big that learning curve Mm -hmm. is. The 49ers, between the last couple drafts, they have about 30 guys on this roster that are getting nothing but better. And it's kind of like a mutual fund. If you have a, you know, if you got all these different little entities all getting better, well, guess what? Your mutual fund is kicking butt. They're like individual stocks. And um, the 49ers, I think, are going to be quite a bit better than that what they were at the end of last year mm-hmm. because they have so many players who are young and getting better. And I think that we're all going to be very impressed by when we see them in preseason and in the first month of the year at how much better of a football team they are in all phases. Well, I'm excited to see what Wilkes brings to this defense too because like the fact that especially because he does seem to like more of a, a man-style defense, um, it's kind of exciting because I think that the way he's going to run the defense, I think that the defensive line is going to eat. Like Especially if we get – Jackson actually like producing on the other side, it's only going to help Bosa. And this seems like the year Bosa could maybe break the sack record just because we have guys that can, that can go and play man in that, in the deep, in, in our backfield. And I'm really, really excited to see how this defense looks under Wilkes. Cause I love the way he runs his defense. Um, so yeah, I like I mean, that they brought in Isaiah Oliver uh, yeah. to replace Jimmy Ward. I think he's going to be a great player. Every, uh, this defense uh, with, even if, we win a Super Bowl, we don't. But based on what we have right now on defense, if Dre Jackson can be that guy that we hope he can be, that addition to that, how good can this defense be in 2020? Can it make history? Can it be like the the uh, 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens? Can they make that type of history, this defense, in your opinion? I think they need one more one more. Edge rusher, yeah. I think they're really deep at defensive tackle. They got great depth at linebacker. Uh, they're real good at safety, and they got six or seven NFL-caliber corners. 
Um, the one guy I'm really high on is um, Deshaun Jameson, the undrafted rookie corner out of Texas. And I, 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 I'm watching his film. A buddy of mine called me on draft weekend. He's like, dude, you guys signed Deshaun Jameson. And I said, yeah, tell me about him. He's like, oh, are you kidding me? He's played for us for five years. And he starts telling me about Jameson this, Jameson that. And then he sent me a film. And um, this guy's a dynamic return guy, but he's also a really solid NFL corner. And in the last minicamp, he was everywhere. He was closing on the football. He goes, he shoots up uh, the field and goes low against the run. Um, he's not the biggest corner, but this guy breaks on the ball, and it's. It, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. And he, his 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 film as a return man is so dynamic that he may give Ray Ray a run for his job. Speaking of corners, so how's so are we. I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see more of like a resurgence from Ambry Thomas in a more man type of uh, defense. I thought he struggled. He was going to struggle always in a zone defense. So I'm wondering if he's going to be the odd man out with some of these corners that are coming, or if we're going to see um, him take a step forward with with Wilkes as the defensive coordinator. Because I thought when we did play man, he was I thought he was unbelievable his rookie season, especially when he shut down. Um, Oh, uh, what's his name for the Cowboys? C.D. Lamb, when he shut him down in that playoff game, his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, Ambry Thomas is interesting. I mean, he, he you know, had a really slow start to his rookie year, but by the end of the year, he was their best corner, you could argue. And then he comes back last year, and it was like he was a totally different player, and he never really got on track. I mean, it's go time for Ambry Thomas. There's no question. Uh, he's not guaranteed a roster spot. As I said, they're about seven or eight deep on the corner. I have him projected to take six. Um, if there's an injury, maybe he makes it, but I have him projected as not making it. But I also think that if he plays decently and, and they wind, wind up in a numbers game, the Niners might be able to trade him because, mm. um, you know, he's a third round pick and corners are valuable. And, and so, I mean, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out this summer. There's injuries are a major part of football. Uh, there's somebody's going to go down. Yeah, you just don't know who and when. So I, I I have hope for Ambry, but um, it's go time for him. It's time to, you know, he's not a first year guy. He's not a second year guy. It's not. He's transitioned to the NFL. It's you know, it's time for him to step it up. Yep. I, I just I hey, I'm excited to see I'm, if he. I want to see Womack what he can do. Oh yeah, he look, Womack, Womack yeah. looks great. Yeah, that's who Womack, I'm excited about. That's another guy. Womack to me, Womack w- looked phenomenal. Absolutely in the OTA. Unreal. That's what I want to hear. His jump wow. on the ball is just amazing. I think I'll, I'll make a prediction right here, guys. I think he gets at least two pick sixes this year. <sighs> oh, I like that, Larry. But is he? Like, is that from playing nickel? Are you gonna? He's gonna probably play nickel, right? Outside. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's for sure. I mean, he could play outside, he could play inside. Um, but what we saw last year is, man, he got his hands on a couple footballs, and he would have taken him. He would have taken it back. But you know what? He, it was just you know. Now this year, the awareness is better. The speed, the the actual speed on the field when you're when you're not hesitating and you can play free, mm-hmm. you it's like you've gained speed. And like you know, my whole thing is. I like to watch practice and not look for guys. I like to like let the let the guys kind of show me who's good, right? I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, some guys are like, I'm looking for number thirty-two, and I don't do that. 
I just watch and wait to see who jumps off the page, right? And Womack jumped uh, off the screen watching him this summer, um, and I can't wait to watch him in camp. He's fast. Especially, he's, in, so, especially in preseason, too, last I, year. Yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a talent. It's exciting man. to talk about all these corners because I'm thinking, can can Wilkes be our – can he be our George Seifert? Because yeah, our corners – Ray Rhodes, our, George Seifert. Our corners back under George Seifert were freaking insane, and I remember watching a documentary one time about um, – Ronnie Lott fucking losing his shit that Seifert became the head coach and he didn't have to get to have the same relationship with Seifert after he became the head coach. So, you get well, the one of- thing that's nice about Ray Rhodes and Seifert and and to you know now Wilkes is you got to have some coaches on your staff that have a good eye for the players too, and Wilkes is that guy and he you know brought in Oliver and they drafted Luter and you know they drafted Jair Brown and there's some. I think he's going to give the secondary, you know, obviously a little bit more accountability. He's going to be, mm-hmm. he's going to hold them to high standards. I asked him, I said, how's your defense going to look different than D'Amico's defense? And I thought there was a chance he'd give us like a kind of a softball kind of a, Hey, D'Amico had a great defense and we're just, you know, I thought he was going to be kind of deferential to D'Amico. Instead, he's like, we need to make more plays down the field against the ball. We need to take the ball away down the field. We gave up way too many explosives. We need, you know, I mean, he was like, he had a list of like three or four things. And he was, he, and and talking to D'Amador and hearing him talk about, you know, he's like, I need to be better. I need to be better down the field. I need to be better uh, making plays on the ball. I need to, you know, so. I think he's going to bring a level of accountability. You got to remember this too, guys. I mean, I know you guys know the Niners and the personalities of the players, but they lost some type A guys when Mosley walked out the door and Jimmy Ward walked mm-hmm. out the door. And they brought in some young players, um, but man, they who were good players. But now I think Wilkes is going to replace some of the alpha mm-hmm. guys that they lost in that room. And, um, and I think he's going to be a real key. So- key cog speaking speaking of lenore like towards the end of the season we started to see more of his ball hawk skills so are, do, you, do you think we're going to see a like we'll see a big step this year and him having a lot more interceptions and being one of those guys that you don't think so but is going to have a lot of big plays where he's making big interceptions because as the season went on we did even though he struggled sometimes we did see a lot more like ball hawking opportunities from him where he was undercutting routes and stuff I think Lenore's, you know, it's funny. I, I looked at him on the field and I thought he looked bigger to me. And, oh, that's um, good. and, or I, you know, he looks bigger in the upper body. And I said, man, it looks like you put on some weight. And he's actually, he's like, actually, I've lost weight, hmm. which is even a better sign. That means he put on upper body weight and he lost it elsewhere. And he kind of repositioned his body. He looks really good. That's awesome. Uh, he trained at the Mamba Center down in Southern California in the off season. And um, he's ready to roll. He's stronger in the upper body. Um, there's no fear in Diamador Lenore. He doesn't play with any tentativeness. Um, and I, I do expect him to be a key guy for them. I think he'll start opposite Mooney. I, th- yeah, I think rocking that too, which looks good on him, better than uh, who had it last. <laughs> I think I think it's pretty awesome. I because I when I remember when we drafted him, I was a little bit you know weary because you you never think coming out of Oregon you don't think about their DBs they normally struggle and Oregon gives up a lot of yards uh, in the Pac-12 their defense does so I was like ooh but he surprised me more than I even would have thought he has he would have good player really good player very confident player and you gotta have confidence hey. playing in D-bat 
Hey, uh, Larry, I wanted to get yeah. your take on that um, projected um, pay that Nick Bosa uh, could get. What What do you think uh, Nick Bosa is going to get going into training camp? You think he's going to get paid as soon as training camp starts, or when you think he's going to get yeah. paid? And then how much? How much yeah, do you he, think? I think thirty million a year. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the highest paid defensive players, if not the highest paid defensive player in the history of the league. I mean, he's earned it, and I think he'll sign that contract probably the morning before he hits the field. I don't expect – like, Nick Bosa was there at minicamp, but he wasn't doing anything. I don't think Nick Bosa play, you know, puts on a, a 49er practice you know, uh, uniform and takes the field again without, that, without the ink dry on that contract. That's the Bosa way. Yeah, I mean, well, not just the NFL way for these big extensions, right? Yeah. The the team, the team hedges, you know, they could sign him to like he was asked, "Hey, do you think you'll get paid a thing?" And he's like, "I think I'll get paid what I'm worth." Well, why is he saying that? Because he knows what he's going to get paid. They just they th- this thing's been negotiated. This thing's been done. It's just a matter of they don't, you know, NFL teams are going to hedge because why pay the guy in June and he gets in a massive whatever accident and now you've got to – so they – they they you know, especially with the big expenditures, they're going to wait until he's ready to hit the field. So they're going to protect themselves, uh, and then he's going to protect himself by not going on the field until that deal is done. So – and but I do expect it to get done at, and be announced right on the first day of camp, and I think it will be for $30 million a year or more, and – um and it will save the 49ers money on the cap that they can go use to either roll over to next year or to maybe sign another piece um, you know, they can use this year. What I What's nice about Bosa, too, it makes me feel good. He's not the kind of guy where when he gets the money, you're going to see him play any less than his ability. <laughs> you know, sometimes those guys get their money and you have to worry. I don't, I don't worry any, one bit about Bosa. He's not going to be no, distracted all like Gable was. Trust no, me. No, not at all. Though I will say this, man. One of the other things that's so exciting about this year is that Debo said that he stunk last yep. year, and that Ayuk says he's ready to take off. Um, you're talking about your two number one and number two receivers there, and they're both like in that mode, like where they want to be better than they've ever been. And when we think about how good they've been. I mean, that right there could vault the Niners to the top of the NFL if Debo and, and Ayuk somehow come back and find a higher level than the level they've been at. The 49ers are probably going to be the best team in the league. Well, I mean, I think it's good to see, like, Debo saying he stunk and stuff, like he didn't have his best season. But it's it was kind of sucked to see him get so distracted by the contract stuff because I would have even said that I would consider him a leader on this team, like especially an emotional leader. Like, you know, seeing the way he act after, like, losing big games when we lost the Super Bowl and we lost to the Rams and the NFC Championship, stuff like that, and just seeing, like, the way that he carries himself. I would consider him a leader on this team. So it was kind of a bummer to see how last season went. But to, to see him come and call himself out just kind of reiterates to, for me that he he is an emotional leader on this team. So it's it, it's good to see. He's a tone setter is what he is. Yeah, He's a tone setting player. And they're really valuable, but him and Ayuk are both leaders for sure. If uh, Debo continue to play good, <clears throat> excuse me, in the contract that he has right now, and Ayuk uh, has a great year, he's going to demand a big contract. Is there a possibility the next offseason 
um, in order to keep Debo and Ayuk, they might have to move on from uh, Kittle. Try to get rid, you know, you know how the saying goes, get rid of someone when you're sooner than rather than when you're later. Do you think that's a possibility or do you think they work around that, Larry? Well, you know, it's a hard cap. So, you know, you can't pay everybody and you're going to have to make some hard decisions. Um, but I, I don't know if it will directly impact George, but, you know, I'll just say it that way. I mean, you, you can't have everybody and you can't pay everybody. You got to make, um, you know, calculated decisions on who you should pay and who you shouldn't pay. Um, you can't let Ayuk walk. He's he's too good, and, and he's our true number one receiver. I mean, but the Debo, fact that we're not Debo paying can, Purdy, and Purdy turns out to be the quarterback, and we're paying him peanuts, that could, that could benefit us in signing Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, in an ideal world, I mean, I think the 49ers are prepared – I think they're prepared for whatever happens here. I think they're prepared to go forward with both. I think they're prepared to have to choose one. Um, in some ways, they could be competing against each other for their future on the roster this year. I know that sounds bizarre, but I think it's possible. Um, but you know, you're ta- you're if they both have great years and you want to keep both, you may have to make a tough decision somewhere else. But I mean, they already are starting to sprinkle in their tough decisions. I mean. They drew a very hard line on Robbie Gold and and flipped gears to Jake Moody. Well, Jake Moody's making what, five hundred k, and Robbie Gold was going to make five million, so they saved four and a half million there. Um, they may have to make a real hard decision on Jawan Jennings. You know, is Jawan Jennings? He's a free agent at the end of the year, um, and they've got Ronnie Bell and Tay Martin and some other possession receivers. They, you know, depending on how that competition yeah, and Danny goes. Danny Gray's there too. Yeah, I mean, they may have to make a tough decision on Charlie Warner, you know, yeah. with uh, the other tight ends they have. Can, they may have go. to. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they they may have to make some tough decisions on on some of their you know their veteran depth pieces. I don't think either and, Kittle or or Armstead will be the guy that would have to they would have to move from in order to accommodate uh, Debo and Ayuk. Because um, you're right, they love their D line though, and man, they sure were a lot better after Armstead was in there last yeah. year. Hey, you think with Hargrave now in there, you think um, Armstead's gonna have even like a better year this coming up season, like, like he did when, uh, when Buckner was here? I do, oh, yeah. I do. I think you know, you know, it's funny. NFL de- defensive lines have changed. It used to be where you could have one guy, you know, who. It used to be, you know, you had two run stuffers inside and you had your edge rushers provided all the rush. Then it was like, okay, we need one run stuffer and a tackle inside that can rush the passer. It's such a passing league now Mm -hmm. that every guy on your D-line has to be able to rush the passer. So, um, yeah, I I think um, you're going to notice it right away, too. It's your, you know, instead of having the pocket, I think you're going to see almost an inverted pocket where though where Armstead and Hargrave get pressure, and the quarterback's looking to sneak out the side door, and I think Bosa is going to have huge numbers. I think Drake Jackson, if he stays healthy, could run into ten sacks this year. Uh, I think yeah, I think Hargrave's going to have a should have a profound impact and change the whole shape of their rush up front. Have you heard anything of Kalia Davis? I know he was a redshirted all uh, last year, you know, dealing with an injury. Um, have you heard anything about him, where he's at in his development? He was there. He was there in minicamp, and I saw him at the end of the year. I mean, 
his college film from Central Florida is unbelievable. I mean, you're talking about one of the – this guy played middle backer, and he just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and now he's 319 pounds, and, and yet if you watch him, he's fast. Um, so, to me, he's a real – he's another guy that could – you know, his talent is so significant that if he fulfills his potential this year – that right there could make them a significantly better football team. I mean, he's 320 pounds, and he's a pass rusher. I mean, just think of Kevin Givens. Kevin Givens is a real good interior rusher, too. He's like 285. This guy's this guy's 320 and fast. So I, I, I think I'm really excited well, about Khalil. We're probably letting freaking Kinlaw walk after this year, right? I mean, we didn't take his fifth year. He's probably. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I I would say there's a chance he doesn't make the team. There's a chance he gets dealt. Um, but also, you know, Chris Kosarek is said, hey, you know what? He's never really had a full off season to really kind of show what he's got and be healthy. And he's been in the facility, you know, consistently. But I will say this: he wasn't on the field for the last couple of ga- uh, days of minicamp, and I don't know why. So is he having knee knee issues again? Um, that knee thing is a chronic deal. I'm kind of concerned about that. Too, Talking about injuries, do you think Elijah Mitchell can get moved in a trade? Uh, but, you know, because of his, you know, he's a great player, but he's he, he's never healthy enough to be on there. Not with the emergence of Jordan Mason. I think Shanahan loves Elijah Mitchell. He doesn't fumble, and okay. he runs between the tackles. And if if it's blocked for three, he gets three or four. If it's blocked for five, he gets five or six. You know, this guy, this guy turns negative yardage plays into positive yardage plays, and he never fumbles. You saw the way, Kyle, the usage last year of his backs in the playoffs. He went with McCaffrey in the first half, and then it, when they got a lead in the second half, they, they fed Elijah. So in a lot of ways, he's a perfect fourth, down, fourth quarter back because he doesn't cough it up. He'll get you every yard. Uh, he doesn't run out of bounds. I mean, he's really, really valuable. But, um, you know, oh. you, what, what's the old saying? You can't make the club in the tub, right? Exactly. So, you know, you, you got to – he's got to play. And then there's other players there too. So that's going to be a very competitive spot this summer. I mean, I, I prefer him between the tackles over, you know, McCaffrey. I like McCaffrey on the outside more, you know, catching the ball yeah. in the backfield. But I but, like Mitchell between the tackles way better. I do too. Mitchell's got better vision, better natural instincts. And also he he can – Mitchell can slither through a tiny crack, I think, better than and his Carson. acceleration is nasty. Yeah, four three speed. Um, he's a really, he's a really underrated player when he's healthy. But you know, being healthy is a big part of the equation. Yeah, if he, if all of a sudden Jordan Mason is a monster and TDP looks good, and let's say Ronald Awad or one of these guys, Labor, Laburn. These undrafted backs are good too. I'm telling you, both those guys are good NFL players. Um, they could wind up with seven backs, and and uh, they could have people calling them at at the cutdown, saying, "Hey, we'll give you a fifth round pick." You know, and if, if you get a fifth round pick for a guy that you're probably looking at cutting, or if there's not a huge difference between, you know, your back number four and your back number six or whatever, I I could definitely see the Niners making a trade if. Uh, if if it you know if they wind up with too many good ones, I think any running back like is good in Kyle's system. That's what I've noticed. Just uh, most running backs can actually excel in his system. I mean, when he was with the Falcons, they didn't he didn't have like the greatest running back, but that tandem he had was still freaking phenomenal. But it's not like they were world beater type of running backs. 
but he made him that with Coleman and Freeman. He definitely has a great system. He has a definitely great system, and it's it's all about the run pass fusion. He'll make you know the run plays look like pass plays. He'll make the pass plays look like run plays. Um, you know, and and I do agree. And also, you know, I. I don't think it's accidental that he, you know, Bobby Turner has been here every step of the way and Bobby T's got a great eye for players. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Larry. Um, a lot of people are very frustrated with uh, Kyle Shanahan, which I don't understand. A lot of people make some really dumb notions of, you know, we need to get rid of Kyle. He can't win the Super Bowl. He can't win the big one. Um, but I always like to reference him to uh, Andy Reid. Andy Reid couldn't win the big one either until he found his quarterback uh, in Mahomes. Do you think Kyle's a one good quarterback away and getting into the, and winning those Super Bowls, in your opinion, with his talent of coaching? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't understand the criticism of Kyle. Um, I mean, they, you know, I mean, look what he's done. I mean, I mean, you know, they've been in the NFC championship game in three of the last four years. I mean, I understand that the Niner fans are frustrated about not getting that six Lombardi. And um, it was, it's a little frustrating watching, you know, Debo be, go off against the chiefs in the first half of the super bowl and only touch it a couple times after that. I think that's what killed us though. The, the, yeah. the, the, the changing of the run game in that super bowl you, is what lost us that super bowl. I think what lost in that Super Bowl is not having DJ Jones, to be honest, because the, look at the way the Niners stopped the run that year, and then Damian was it Damian Williams or whatever who was the uh, running back Damian for the Williams, Chiefs? Yeah. Had a big, he he had a he had a you know they ran with relative success, and I don't think they would have between the a gaps if DJ had been in there. But I mean, ultimately, um, you know, I, Debo didn't touch the ball in like the final thirteen minutes of the Ram game in the championship game a couple years ago, but. At the end of the day, if Kyle Shanahan were, if they decided to move off of him, um, there would be a bidding war for him. There'd be like four other head coaches that would get fired just because their team would hope that they could attract Shanahan. He was a very highly coveted coach. Um, you brought up Beto. You brought up, uh, uh, you know, the, how the Andy Reid. I mean, Andy, Andy Reid was five hundred in in the playoffs in Philadelphia. Uh, and and was thought to be oh he can't Andy Reid can't win the big one, he's got two rings now. He, he didn't win the so, big one with Philly because T.O. had a broken leg. T.O. didn't have that broken leg, he would have went for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean Andy Reid. <laughs> I, mean, I, I see I see Kyle. I see Kyle as one of the NFL's better coaches. Um, and I don't you know, and it's like how quickly we forget. You know, it's like, um. You guys, you remember Beto, but I mean, some of the younger guys don't remember. There was a time when the 49ers, you know, when, when you get to a point where you're critiquing victories, yeah. you know, you're, you've lost perspective and that's where we're at right now. We're critiquing victories. You know, let's, let's just enjoy the fact that you've got a guy who's also not very old. Um, he's got a great relationship with the general manager. They've got a very deep roster. They got a locker room full of guys that believe in the head coach. You know, maybe Kyle Shanahan can't win the big one, but let's, I think we can, we got to give him at least five more years to figure out if that's just where we're at in the present or if that is indeed his legacy. I, if, if I, you know, personally, I think he's one of the best coaches in football. Absolutely. I mean, he is, 
but it's just there's things obviously when we're when things aren't going the way we want them to we get frustrated i mean i people pretty hard I call on those them. people in their feelings you know you, you can't be in your feelings because we're not always going to get what we want um but you know you're and going, it, and it, and, sorry go ahead, oh, go ahead. i'm sorry no no, go ahead. no i was just gonna say and it can't be both i mean you know brock purdy can't be super questionable exactly and and either either shanahan's a really good coach or Brock's a really amazing quarterback. Tell him, Larry. They got they got to the NFC freaking championship game with their third string quarterback. Either Kyle's a pretty good coach, or that third string quarterback's pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, if you look at how many points we averaged with with Purdy, like it's like thirty three. Kyle's a, game. a good coach, but we weren't averaging that, averaging that without without Purdy. So that tells you it's kind of a 50-50 right there with that combination. So far, I mean, things could change. You know, sometimes rookie quarterbacks that can play and come in like that, things change. You never well, know. Well, you see but... Kyle having more confidence in Brock is oh, when he threw that interception 100%. that it was called back against Tampa because of a, uh, of a penalty. He, he went right back again. to the air to that touchdown to a Ute. That's confidence. If Jimmy would have thrown that interception, they would have been running the ball. Yep. Every time, every single time Kyle didn't trust Jimmy one bit. I always, I always laugh at all these people, you know, in 49 or Twitter world that have all the answers and yet they all had Nate Sudfeld beating out Brock Purdy um, after that. watching Brock in preseason. And they're like, oh, you know, well, of course, Sudfeld's going to make the roster. They they owe him a $3 million bonus. So wait a second. You you watch Purdy all summer against against Sudfeld. You, you still thought they should go with Sudfeld. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so and, and man, it's just, I don't know, it's just a... Uh, it's amazing that everybody feels like they know. Now, is is, jo- is 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 Kyle Shanahan the world's greatest coach? Is he Bill Walsh and no. and Bill Belichick all rolled into one? No, but you know what? If you're going to tell me he's got to be out, I got to hear who's got to be in. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, because I, I really, exactly. to me, it's it, it's kind of like this. You know, have you ever done a kitchen remodel? Anybody can take a sledgehammer to the to the existing Formica. How many guys can actually install the new cabinets? Yeah. How many guys can actually put on the put on the recessed lighting? How many guys can actually do the flooring? How many guys can do the uh, the, the crown molding? Anybody with a hammer can bash out the old one, and that's how I look at criticism uh, of these guys. Anybody can say fire his ass. That's the easy part. It's about who are you getting and how are you winning without them. And I'll just say this, as a guy who goes into the locker room, talks to the players, and I talk to these guys on the record, and I talk to them off the record. And I'm, and I'm, you know me, I'm honest. If I got any sense from anybody in the room that they did not believe in the head coach, I got no problem saying it. I've never seen any player waver on mic, off mic, on camera, off camera. There's a respect for Shanahan in that room. It's not just the offensive guys; it's defensive guys too. Um, there's a belief in Shanahan, and the other thing I'll say is, the only thing I really want out of my head coach does he inspire the players to play hard, or do you feel like they're Cadillacing it? You yeah. know, and the one thing I feel like with the Niners, even during the Walsh era, they took they took games off. They 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 emotionally no showed some early season home games in the Walsh era. Yeah. This Niner team under Shanahan does not roll their jocks out there and take games off. They bring it. They bring it. So it's a culture that he's established, that John's established, and that's 
to me, I can live with the rest of it. I can't, you know, if they can, you know, somebody picks the players, but somebody's got to motivate the players. I feel like John's doing a pretty good job right now with Peters picking the players, and I don't see any lack of motivation. So if you're going to tell me that this regime has run its course, I'd push back on that all day. I'd say the only thing I'd like to see from Kyle is sometimes on the sidelines, I'd like to see him more fired up. Like, he he's very calm even when things are going wrong and i'd like to see him freaking get fired up because sometimes we've been in games where like we i feel like we're missing that and i feel like if he did get angry it, it would help I, just I sometimes think, i'm not as long as he makes the right calls bro and yeah i mean I, well you know what i'll say this you haven't heard him live mic'd because this guy i was just at minicamp the other day and and uh, some P- some players association rep walked on the field and took an s- exception to the fact that Diamador Lenore kind of tackled somebody around the neck. And Shanahan came over, and these guys, I mean, he gave this guy an earful. And, I mean, it was, that was the most fired up I've seen him. That's good. But, you know, he, he, he does get fired up. It's just, he, you know, he doesn't lose control. He's not Jim Harbaugh. He's not well, losing yeah. control on the sidelines. And, you know, some of that shit is high school hairy garbage, too, to be honest. I mean, and when you're really as, you know, when you're in your play sheet, to me, if there's one thing I want to see different with Shanahan is I want to see them go for it on fourth down from their own 30-yard line to the other team's goal line on everything that's not fourth and five or longer. You get to fourth and three on the opponent's 45, go for it. You get to fourth and two at midfield, go for it. I want to see them go for it more. I think the analytics show that it's the right thing to do, and I'd like to see them copy the Eagles' uh, scrum-style rugby short yardage play and put you know put your put a guard in the backfield, hand the ball to Juice, and just rugby scrum it on fourth and two because the officials aren't blowing the whistle on the forward progress. So what's happening there is you're getting that first push, and then they're not blowing the whistle because it's a rugby scrum and everybody's still on their feet. And then you're getting a second push, and you're getting a third push. And I think the Eagles average like 3.5 yards a carry on that thing. I want to see that the Niners steal that from Philly and no more punting on fourth and two unless you're inside your own 30. But See, but I... I would I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, more of that just because if Kyle has a quarterback he trusts a lot more, maybe we see more of it because he did not. I mean, we had Jimmy, but he never actually trusted Jimmy to do anything like that. Yeah, I I just I personally I just think it's kind of an old school yeah, mentality maybe. if you punt on fourth down, and I think if you look at, you know, you kind of look with the trends. More, you know, the Ravens went for it more a couple of years ago on fourth down. The Eagles went for it, I think, the most in the NFL last year on fourth down. They made the Super Bowl. I think possession of the football matters a lot more. And, it, you know, it's a big play game now. It's not about field position as much. I mean, on a windy day, you want to play field position, fine. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, it's a big play sport. So it doesn't matter if you give the opponent the ball at their own 30 or at midfield. Um, you know, they're making a big play to 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 get downfield. It's not about drive. Every, people aren't putting together fifteen play drives continuously. So let's not let's not yeah. let's not give away possession. It, um, just because it's two yards. It has been frustrating when he doesn't go for a fourth down, especially because it feels like he doesn't trust himself. It's like, dude, you're the best play caller in the NFL. You probably you're 
your run game averages more yards per carry probably every year. Like, why are we not going for it on fourth and two? If any team, if any coach could get that fourth and two, it's Kyle Shanahan. So it's especially now that Purdy is, you know, operates the bootleg game so well and he's got such great quickness to escape. You know, bootleg action, let him see the field, give him the run pass option. And you know what? If you don't get it, then put your number one defense on the field and and the game continues. But don't stop punting to gain 22 yards of field position. Talking about getting the first down and going for it, Larry, um, should I be concerned? Should the Niner fans be concerned of uh, Colton McKivitt taking over at that right tackle? I mean, I know that uh, last offseason, there was a question mark at center, right? Drake Brendan, how good is he going to be? Can he be the guy? They didn't draft a center. They didn't go after a center. And he turned out to be pretty damn good. You know, not great, but pretty damn good. What's your confidence in your uh, what you've been hearing about Colvin McKivitz, uh, Larry? I, I think that I, I don't think it's a step down at all from McGlinchey. I think. McGlinchey was a little bit, little bit better as a run blocker, but not much. Um, and I, I like, I like Colton better as a pass protector. Mm. I think he can kick out against speed rushers better. Um, I think McGlinchey had one real issue in that he didn't have great quickness to kick out against the best, uh, the best speed rushers in the game, and so he would lunge out there. And then once he started to lunge, you would see DNs bang that right, that left shoulder. And you saw him like horizontal with the ground, um, and it just broke him whole. It broke him down. I, I think this is probably. I think this this position or this uh, move has been the most over over uh, criticized move of the off season. Letting McGlinchey go was the right move on the cap, and I, I think the, uh, McGlinchey and and McKivitz are very comparable. I like that. I like that because I know that when we took a kicker. Uh, over certain tackles that were available in the third round, people went crazy. What are they doing taking a kicker instead of a tackle? But I don't. I think the Niners and Chris Forrester is pretty happy what he sees. I don't think they liked any tackles, in my opinion, that were available there at that spot. And I think they need they needed a a player to replace Robbie Gold. And kickers a for sure starter for your team. You know he's going to make the team. Um, he can kick it farther than probably half the kickers in this league. The problem with the tackle spot is that they they whiffed on Solomon Thomas. Yes. And it forced them to go for another D tackle in Kinlaw, mm-hmm. and they prioritized the D line over the O line. So they've drafted and redrafted and redrafted at tackle, trying to get that right. And one of those picks should have been Tristan Wirfs. You know what I'm saying? And and if you had Tristan Wirfs at right tackle, now you got a plug and play guy for the next decade. So they, they, you know, they've whiffed a couple times on D D tackles, um, but you know, the, if you look at where the best tackles in the game come from, you're either signing them in free agency or you're drafting them in the top twenty-five picks, and they just had, didn't have a pick. So this idea that just because their first pick was in the third round that it should have been a tackle, generally all the plug-and-play tackles, and they they're looking for somebody who's better than McKivitz. You know, if they. Um, if, if they felt like McKivitz was better than all the tackles who were on the board in the third round, and they're probably right. Yeah, it's I getting mean, late, and we're going to let you go, Larry. We appreciate your time, but I wanted to uh, ask you this. Um, yeah. You know, um, this year, uh, what are the chances of the night of, if we can keep um, whoever the quarterback is, 
plays well, uh, what are the chances of this team going as far to the Super One winning it this year? Can they do it with a Brock Purdy? Uh, can they do it with a well, we know we can do it with Trey if Trey plays well because of his arm and height, but can they do it with Brock? Can Brock win them a a Super Bowl? Not just play in the Super Bowl and manage Super Bowl, but can he be a game winning quarterback like Patrick Mahomes uh in a Super Bowl and win it for them? I think he can. I think he can. Um I think ultimately what the Niners, why they didn't feel like Jimmy was good enough is that there was no downfield passing attack with Jimmy. And if you would talk to anybody who watches film, they'd say, hey, Jimmy's not great late in the down. So what they, when someone says that, what they really mean is that he can't ex- – there's the play that's called by Shanahan, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the initial play. But if that play breaks down and now – you got to be able to make plays off schedule in the NFL, and that's what Allen can do, and that's what Mahomes can do. That's what Joe Burrow does. And sometimes it takes subtle movement in the pocket. Sometimes it takes more athleticism to escape the pocket. I think Purdy's one five four ten 10-yard split shows you that he's got that escapability. We saw it a bunch of times last year. He can extend plays. Um, you know, and, and make plays late in the down and make a play that's not necessarily called in the huddle um, and play a little backyard football. Um, and I think he's got requisite arm strength to make all the throws. Now, I don't think he can do it by himself. He's going to have to have a good line. They're going to have to have, you know, good defense. But, I mean, what we saw last year was not smoke and mirrors. And this whole, like, hey, the league's going to adjust to him. Well, you know what? Why didn't they adjust to him last year? Yeah. He scored 33 points a game under Brock Purdy. Yep. I, he's, pl- he's plenty good enough. He, and this idea that he's not going to improve is, bo- is bogus. He's, I asked him uh, a month ago. I said, hey, where are you this year compared to where you were at this point last year? And he's like, oh, night and day. I mean, last year I barely knew the plays. I'm just trying to memorize everything and get to the line of scrimmage and get it called. Now he knows nuances of plays, and, and he's, he's, he's totally learned the offense. He knows it like the back of his hand. So this idea that he's just, like, plateaued or he's reached his ceiling, I mean, that's just, that's just, I mean, that's just not even it's anywhere absurd. close to. What's Purdy's? Yeah, it's absurd. It's not based on anything real. What's Purdy's comp? That's what I'm interested Like, I can't been able to figure it out yet. So, I, I, To me, he's, he's a lot like Russell Wilson. Mm. Um, in that he's got big, he's got big hands. He controls the football. You know, what play made me think of Russell Wilson was remember the game against, I think it was Seattle last year where they were trying to ice the game and he slid and he put the ball forward. Do you remember that? He was on the far sideline and he, and he slid and he, and he put the ball forward to, you know, go across for the first down. That was such a Russell Wilson type play. And I just feel like Purdy's a lot like Russell. Like um, he so he's a, he can make plays off schedule. He's he's smaller, uh, but he doesn't get passes batted down in his face that often. Uh, he's good in the bootleg game. I think he's a little bit more accurate. Um, yeah, I, I see a lot of Russell Wilson. I really do. He's a, and he, I, you know, he's a high um, intellect guy, which will I would say Wilson yeah. is too. I also asked uh, Willie Sneed, who's a veteran receiver who knows a lot more about football than I do, and I asked him in December or January. I'm like, man, Willie, you've been around this league. You've seen, seen it all. What do you think of the kid? What do you think about what he's doing? What does he remind you of? And he's like, and he looked at me and he's like, Krug, 
Drew Brees. Oh shit, dude, that's what Damn. I was thinking about. Really? I to say it, oh was, shit, yeah. Wow. Like, go the interview. You can watch it. Go look up the interview on my YouTube channel. It was from late in the year, like just late December, early January. And uh, Willie Sneed, I asked him about, and it's sitting up there on my Krug Show uh, YouTube under videos. Just go back, look at the Willie Sneed interview. I said, who does he remind you of? He said he reminds me of Drew Brees. And he played with Brees. Damn, that's, that's a fucking awesome comparison. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, this whole Deacon dunk that, it, that, that they brought up, bro. It that's was, not him. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just hating on him. Yeah, for even, sure. Well, even I mean, Warner defended that. that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, I and believe me, I understand what people are saying. I understand what that means to some people. Um, to me, that always, I always viewed that as an insult and as a disparaging comment and as a way to say you can't do it. Yeah. And I wouldn't do that with, I wouldn't use that. But I understand what people meant. I think what that, what, what they're, what people were talking about there is just that he doesn't have the big arm. But guess what? Joe didn't either. And you know, I mean. Um, the, one of the, one of the greatest arm strength guys in the history of Niner football is Jim Druckenmiller. And how do he turn out? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, what, what's he, I mean, arm strength is awesome, but, um, it's not, it's not the end all be all. There's a lot yeah. more that goes into playing quarterback. I asked an old football coach, I'm like, give me, give me your most important, uh, attributes of great quarterbacks. And he's like, Krug, let me just tell you, as somebody who's – and this was a guy who was a defensive coordinator in the NFL. He said to me, the, the complexities of NFL defenses and how fast it all comes at you, that you have to be brilliant. And he goes, you don't realize these guys who are really good at quarterback, they may not be book smart, but they're football brilliant. And they, and they love the process – and they do all the mental reps, and it's like you have to make. He said it's like having it's like having to make really important decisions on the freeway with cars whizzing by you at sixty five miles an hour, and you got to not look at those cars, but you got to feel them and avoid them, and still be able to keep your wits about you, never stare down the rush, but you got to be really smart, and that's what I see with Brock. There's a there's a there's a humility also to uh, Purdy, where he's like every man, but like if you talk to him, you can for even five ten minutes, you can see he's got this burning intensity that like a lot of the great ones have. Uh, Joe had it. Brady has it. Rogers has it. This kind of, Mahomes has it. This intensity, like you know, it's like this this this. This twenty four seven chip on your shoulder, yeah, and he's got it. Yeah. How, one well, last, one last question. Yeah, how, one more question. Good. Just how's Moody looking? Because I don't hate the third round pick for a kicker that can kick the ball as far as he can. Just as he look, is he making a lot of kicks? Is he kicking it far? How's that that looking so far? I mean, Robbie Gold is so consistent that I think we all have to just kind of you know acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that Robbie. You know, they're, they're, the Niners are going to get a couple drives at some point set up, and this kid's going to come in and he's going to kick the crap out of it, and it's going to go wide right or wide left. You know, he he's, doesn't, he's not going to have the same consistency, but the leg strength is off the charts. I mean, this guy kicked a 63-yard field goal that went 12 yards beyond the uprights. I mean, this guy's got a booming, 
huge leg. That's why they went after so, him. And his nickname's Money. That's, That's a good nickname for a kicker. Yeah. Well, Larry, uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, joining us on our show tonight. We really appreciate yeah. it. Um, Absolutely. Hopefully we could uh, get together again soon, maybe when the season starts up and everything. Um, you want to go ahead and uh, – Yeah, for sure. You want to go ahead and uh, let people know where they can find you at and everything? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsLarryK. My YouTube channel is The Krug Show. Uh, we're closing in on 20,000 subs. We're trying to get there before training camp. Been doing it for about 15 months. Um, I love it. Um, we talk giants, Niners and warriors, but mostly Niners put out a lot of videos. I've got my, my 22 year old college son helping me, uh, as my tech guy. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun and, you know, I'm connecting with the audience and, um, I love this, I love this, uh, medium of being able to kind of, you know, like we're, we're all face to face right now. We're all yeah. in different spots. Uh, people can watch it on a big screen TV. It's like kind of an on demand thing. Um, so I'm loving it. And, you know, when video, you know, you got to see this ugly face, but at the same time, you also, <laughs> you know, there's sometimes you, when you're on the radio, you lose, something gets lost in translation. Cause you like, don't see the person's expressions. So I really love, uh, the YouTube space and, um, I stream, like, I think I streamed 41 times last month. Uh, so I, I do streams, you know, almost every day, if not multiple a day. And, um, yeah, I love it. The Krug show. And, um, you can go to, you can go to the Krug show.com and get merchandise and that kind of stuff, t-shirts and that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm loving it. And, and I appreciate you guys having me on and check me out on, on, uh, on YouTube. Hey, real quick, Larry, um, this Saturday I'm taking the family. I watch your show a lot and you're always mentioned about pig in a pickle. Yes. Okay. They're my sponsor. My title sponsor. So I'm gonna go and, and try it out on Saturday. I'll let, I'll give you my. Oh, dude, that's on awesome. It, I'm taking the family. Are you going to Marin or are you going to Emeryville? Emeryville. Okay. Yeah. Um. Emeryville. It's 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 inside that public marketplace. So there's like a bunch of different restaurants in there. But yeah, the brisket is amazing. The brisket chili, the potato salad, uh, the ribs, the good. chicken. <laughs> it's really really good stuff. Damon Stainbrook, the owner. And do me do me a solid, Beta. When you go in there, whoever's working, tell them, hey man, I'm only here because uh, of the Krug show. And that's the truth. Uh, I am because you keep re <laughs> repeatedly saying it on your show. I'm like, know, it got I stuck know. in my brain. I'm a big guy, so I like to eat anyway. But definitely, yeah. I'll definitely oh, let know. Them you'll, know that I went. You'll to love it too because the brisket is amazing, dude. I, I, you know, I love to barbecue and that kind of thing, and smoke uh, meats and that kind of thing. But you know what? I can't do brisket. I just can't do brisket. I can't make. I can't cook it long enough or right. Twelve to fifteen right hours. Twelve to fifteen yeah, I mean, you gotta, hours. You gotta. You gotta really. It, I do it overnight on on the smoker. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you gotta. You gotta have a game plan, and you gotta do it re well. And gotta get those. I've butchered it so many times that I won't even do it anymore. <laughs> gotta get those fats like, to render and break down, and then it just it freaking melts. Oh, I know. Dude. And and oh. so then they do like I do. You know, chili's awesome, but. They he actually does a brisket chili. That sounds bomb. really so. Ooh, yeah, so it's good. basically chili with just big chunks of brisket in the chili, and he and, and it's so. I don't know if I'm gonna I mean, it's so, I think brisket's yeah. the best yeah. the best cut of beef, but uh, yeah. And then you and then you you know for me it's like an ideal thing is I'll get like a potato salad. Um, I like the collard greens. I'll go with a little brisk cup of brisket chili. 
maybe a brisket sandwich, uh, maybe a root beer. Oh yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm. I'm that sounds I'm, good. That sounds freaking. Doesn't phenomenal. get more American than that. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely right. give you a shout out. In fact, brother. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go to go hit pig in a pickle. <laughs> no, no, no. That's my gym. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's go say how to go tell uh, the owner is named Damon Stainbrook. He's a great guy. He's a big supporter of the channel. And I was doing ads for them at KMBR. And when I left KMBR, um, I said to him, I said, Hey, you know, I'd love to have you advertise my YouTube channel, but you're probably already doing advertising on KMBR. He's like, Are you kidding me, man? When you left, I left. So the oh, guy's incredibly, the guy's incredibly loyal, awesome. nice. and uh, he's been a sponsor. Once my channel got to ten thousand subs, I said to him, "Hey man, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want you to give me money to be a sponsor unless I can really deliver for you." And so we, they're the title sponsor of the show, as you guys know. Yeah. I mention it constantly. Yep. And uh, it's been a good thing for both of us. So yeah, check it out. Sweet. And then, uh, what days are you usually on uh, ninety five seven? The game, Larry. Well, I'm I'm filling in this week. I'll be there uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week in afternoon drive with Dan Dibley. I'm sitting in for Willard, who's on vacation, I think, in Tahoe. Nice. So I'll be there Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm talking to them about uh, once again partnering with Low Neal during football season, doing uh, pregame at least for some of the home games. Awesome, sweet. Yeah. Oh, definitely check that out, man. Um, Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you for coming on again, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you. Um, for those of you in the chat, if you haven't yet already, please go hit that like and subscribe button on Fair Football Podcast. And also, this is showing on Niner Beto's channel, Niner Sickness Podcast. So hit that like, subscribe button. We're trying to get reached 500 on Fair Football Podcast. So please help us out and uh, get us to 500. We'll try to do a giveaway. And um, whoever you pick then you guys are the winner um until next time guys go niners go niners go niners go niners